Welcome back to The Wire Podcast. I am your host, Ryan McCreary, and today I have a lot to talk about. I'm going to continue doing our draft recaps for each division in the NFL. Today we're doing the NFC North, and after that, I want to talk about the NBA's plan to to resume the season. Um, they, They finally came to an agreement on a plan, and now we have a plan in place. There's going to be a regular season. There's going to be a playoff. We are going to be crowning a champion for the 2019-2020 NBA season. The NBA is back. I'm excited to talk about that. Then, to finish off the pod, I want to talk about three prospects in this year's NBA draft. I I talked about three three prospects a couple weeks ago. I'm going to talk about three more. But before we get into all, all that, I want to talk about the most important thing happening in America right now. And that is violence against the black community. And it's just been, this has been a really, really rough week in America. It's been a really sad week. And I have a platform. I have a podcast. I have a website. And I feel like even though I'm an 18-year-old white teenager in America, I don't know what it's like to be black. I don't know what... It's like to go through the hardships that black people have to go through each and every day. I don't know what that's like, and I understand that. But I feel like with the platform I have, I need to use that to speak up for the people that may not have a voice. And even though I'm white and I don't share the same experiences that most black people do, I still need to speak up for them, and I feel like it is my my duty to do that. So I'm going to talk about it. And give y'all my thoughts. So, George Floyd, he was a man from Minneapolis, a black man. Um, And last Monday, I believe, he was murdered by four police officers. They, he was arrested or or he was accused of using a counterfeit $20 bill at a store, which uh, turned out to not be true. It wasn't counterfeit. And then, um police came, they tried to arrest him, um, he resisted, but they tried to get him in the, in the cop car, and he wouldn't, but they, the police officers used ex- excessive force, and they ended up, two officers grabbed his legs, or three officers grabbed his legs, one officer put his knee onto his neck, held it there for eight minutes, he lost consciousness, eventually he passed away, George Floyd is not just another statistic. He's not just another black man killed by police officers. He's not just another life lost. He was a father, a boyfriend, a brother. He was described as a gentle giant. I mean, this man had a life. He had a family. And although he had a past in which he was a criminal... That doesn't matter. His life mattered. His life had value. And those four police officers took that away. We can't just forget about Floyd. We can't just forget about George in the next weeks, months, years. We can't forget about what happened last week. Because this continues to happen. The same thing for years has been happening. Black people have been killed by police officers for no reason. Innocent black lives are being taken away from their families for no good reason. 
racism is prevalent in America, and there are no changes being made. There has not been any reform. Nothing is happening. And we're just letting this happen. And just, I mean, I mean, how many more people have to die for, for change to happen in America? I mean, how many more innocent black lives have to be taken away for us to actually make a change? I mean, George Floyd was innocent in this case. And these police officers murdered him. And, I mean, we can't stand for this anymore. We can't just be silent. Because if you're going to stay silent during this time, you're just as bad as the oppressor. You're just, just as bad as these racist cops. You're just as bad as the system that keeps devaluing black lives. So don't be silent. Do something. Even if you're white, just support the black community. Support your black brothers and sisters. Anybody in America, if you have a voice, and we all do, stand up and fight for the rights of black people. Fight for the people that don't have a voice. Fight for the people who fear going out at night and who have to fear being racially profiled. Fight for the people who, when they see flashing lights behind them, when they get pulled over, they're terrified. They're filled with fear because they are afraid that this will be the end of their life. Fight for the people who fear the people who are supposed to protect them. Fight for them. Fight for the voiceless. And even if you don't have money to, you know, put to and to donate to funds, you can still sign petitions. You can protest. But we, we as Americans need to stand up together and fight for the black community. Because they're being treated like they are less than human. And that's not right. There's no place for racism in America. We cannot stand for it. We should not just stay here and be silent while black lives are being taken away from us. It's not right, and there is no place for racism in America. There needs to be change, and we need to challenge lawmakers. We need to challenge the system. We need to make change happen, and for us to do that, we as Americans need to come together, put aside our differences, and fight for change. We can do that by protesting, by signing petitions, by donating money. And we really just need to come together right now during this tough time, fight for change, challenge the lawmakers, challenge the system, and challenge Donald Trump to make change. And although I know that my opinion may not seem valid because I am a white 18-year-old in America, I still want to use my platform to do good in this world. And I feel like I can do that during this time. And that's really just what I want to say. There is no place for racism in America. There is no reason why black people should have to fear for their lives when they're being pulled over by police officers. And I understand that not all cops are bad. And not all white people are racist. But that doesn't matter right now. Like, just because there are a few, just only a few bad apples, that doesn't take away from the main problem. That doesn't, that doesn't take away from the fact that black people live in fear every day because the people that are supposed to protect them aren't protecting them. They're abusing their power, and they're killing black people. And that's not right. We need to fight for change. If you have a platform, use it. If you have the money, donate. But right now, we need to come together. We need to not divide everybody in America. We need to come together. We need to unite 
and fight for change. Um, uh, I hope I hope what I said was good, and I'm glad that I have a platform like this to work and you know speak up for people that may not have a voice, speak up for people who are oppressed in America. Um, and I hope I did a good job of that in the opening of this podcast. Um, I hate to you know go from a very emotional and very serious intro to moving on to talking about sports. Um, but I'm going to do that. And let's go and move on to the NFC North draft recap. Now, we're going to start off with the Chicago Bears, who had a okay draft. Uh, starting off in the second round, they didn't have a first-round pick. They gave up their first-round pick this year in the Khalil Mack trade a few years back. Uh, in the second round, uh, with the 43rd pick, they got Notre Dame tight end Cole Komet. Uh, Cole Komet is a good tight end. Uh, I don't have an issue with Cole Komet as a player. He's very solid. He's a good run blocker. He's not very explosive, which is the main issue I had with him as a prospect. But he's a very good tight end. He can make plays happen as a blocker and as a receiver. Um, he's kind of gronkish in that way. Um, but the Bears already had nine tight ends before the draft. This gave them double-digit tight ends. So, and, and Denzel Mims was on the board at this point, so I don't understand why they didn't go with Denzel Mims or even Grant Delpit or Ashton Davis, who I believe was on the board, or Antoine Winfield. You could have got a safety there. You could have got a receiver, but you went with tight end, which wasn't a huge need. And, I mean, it was a need, but why don't you go with a guy in the fourth round? Because I feel like that's a much better value than getting Cole Komet here especially considering you already have nine tight ends on your roster. I don't hate the pick. I just feel like there were, so, there were a lot of other guys that would have been better selections here. Um, and, and that's my main issue with this pick. I do like Cole Komet. I think he's going to be good for Chicago. I like Komet. You just, like, I think Denzel Mims would have been, been a better pick. I think Grant Delpit and Antoine Winfield would have been better picks. Um... But yeah, Cole Komet's a good tight end. You just, you already had nine tight ends. And there was other players that would have been better picks here. Uh, with their their second pick, pick number 50, they selected Jalen Johnson in the corner out of Utah. I love this pick. Jalen Johnson is a very good man corner. I think he was just outside the top five corners in this draft. I love Johnson. This was an excellent pick. He could have been a first rounder. Like if some If a team would have drafted him in the first round, I would have been totally fine with it. I love this pick. They needed help at corner. I love this. I would have loved the Bears draft if they would have went with like a like Denzel Mims and then Jalen Johnson or Grant Delpit and then Jalen Johnson. I would have loved that. I I I think what they did was good, but it would have been great if they went a different route and went with a player other than Cole Komet in the second round. Nevertheless, this is a, a very solid second round. Then we pick 155. They picked Tulsa linebacker Travis Gibson. Um, he's an intriguing edge rusher. Uh, he's got good size. He's explosive. Um, it'll be interesting to see what he can do at the next level. Then we pick 163. They selected Georgia Southern corner Kendall Vilder. And I like Vilder. He's going to be a very solid slot corner in the NFL. He's small, but he's competitive. And I like his competitiveness. Um, but they already have a lot of slot corners in Chicago. So it'll be hard for him to find, to see playing time uh, there. I And I just, I mean, I like the player. Like, But is he ever going to get on the field? I question if he will. Uh, then Tulane receiver, 
Darnell Mooney joined the team with the 173rd pick. I like Mooney. He's a super solid receiver uh, who can make contested catches, and he, ha- he he has fantastic speed. I think he ran a sub 4-440 at the combine, which is absolutely fantastic. I love that pick. They also selected Colorado guard Arlington Hambright and Tennessee State guard Latavia Simmons. I didn't watch those guys, so I can't really cop. I can't really comment on those guys. Uh, but but those were their their final two picks. Uh, my overall thoughts for the Bears draft. I think it was solid. Um, I like I like that they got a receiver in Mooney. Um, I like that they addressed secondary with the with Wilder and Johnson. Uh, Cole Komet is go can be a really good tight end in the NFL. I just I think there were better picks or better better players than him. Um, that would have been better fits in Chicago. Nonetheless, a solid draft. Not great. Um, not bad. I I mean it's much better than bad. It it was a an okay draft. It was a good draft for them. Uh, next up was the Detroit Lions. With the third overall pick, they selected Ohio State corner Jeff Akuda, and I love the pick. It's fantastic. Akuda was the best corner in the draft by a mile to me. He's better than Henderson, better than um, um, Terrell. He's way better than those guys. He the long speed is a question. I think that is a a concern. But he's got great technique. Um, he can play slot. He can play outside. Like you could really play him in any spot. He can play zone. He can play man. He can play both at a at a very high level. Um, and his technique combined with the, combined with his versatility. I mean, he was the number one corner in the draft. Easy. I love I love Akuda. I thought he's fantastic. And with them losing Darius Slay, you needed to add a a man corner. They did that here. I know they have Desmond Trufant, but he's not great. He's he's really gone on it. He's been on a decline since his injury in 2017. And in a few years from now, if they let go of Trufant and they didn't draft Akuda, they were going to be in a really rough spot. So I like I like the pick here. Simmons would have been a, was another option, but I thought Akuda was a better prospect than Simmons. And I like the pick here. I I know taking a corner at three is kind of like historically is like not a great move, but Akuda is a beast. He is a great corner. Um, he fits that system. I love the pick. And they were gonna need to get a corner in a few years from now, and they just got the best corner in the draft. It fills a a, a future need. Um, and it fills a need now. And I mean, you get contract control. I love the pick. In in the second round, we picked number thirty five. They selected Georgia running back DeAndre Swift. He's gonna split carries with Carryon Johnson. I like Swift. He was the third best running back in the class, in my opinion. Um, very elusive. He like when he gets into the open field, he makes guys miss. He's a three down back. He can block. He can catch. Um, doesn't have the best vision, but like I said, that elusiveness is pretty special. He's pretty special with the ball in his hands. I like the pick here. Uh, at the time, I was kind of confused when I when they made the pick. I was like, "Huh, they already have Carryon Johnson. Why aren't they picking another running back?" But you saw it was a trend. A lot of teams were getting that second running back to split carries with. If they already had a star running back, they were getting a guy to split carries with with him. So they so hit their main guy wasn't you know just wearing down year after year. And I, I, I like this pick for the Lions. I really do. Uh, then, at pick number 67, 
They selected Notre Dame linebacker Julian Oswara. Um, he's a very talented edge rusher who has really good athleticism. And it's a good value as a third-round pick. Like, getting him in the third round, very solid value. I like this pick a lot. Uh, then, at pick 75, they selected Ohio State guard Jonah Jackson. Um, Jackson is a stud. He's got great hands. Doesn't get beat ever. Um, I love that pick. Then they selected Kentucky guard Logan Stenberg with the 121st pick. Stenberg is a big, big guy. He is huge. He is nasty. He's going to be great in the trenches for the Lions. I love that. He's got a lot of strength. Those guys, Jackson and Stenberg, are going to be fantastic additions to the Lions offensive line. I love those picks. Then, they selected Wisconsin receiver Quintez uh, Cephas with the 166th pick. Um, Cephas, he's talented. Didn't run a great 40 at the combine, which is why he fell this far. He's like a third-round talent, but just the physical profile is not there. Then they selected um, New Mexico. Wow, I cannot speak. New Mexico State running back Jason Huntley with the 172nd pick. I like that. Huntley is very nice. Um, then they selected Utah defensive tackle John Pen. Wow, I cannot read apparently. Utah defensive tackle John Penicini. Yeah, Penicini. I read that correctly with the 197th pick. Then they selected Ohio State defensive end. Deshaun Cornell, I didn't watch those two guys, um, so I'm not going to comment on them. What a draft for the Lions. This is a very nice draft for them. Um, I really like their first one, two, three, four, five. Six, I mean, the, the first five picks are really, really good. I love them. Then uh, the Cephas and Huntley picks were very solid. Uh, decent value at where they picked them. And the Lions, I thought they killed it. Uh, getting Akuda. Um, to, to be their, you know, I don't know if he'll be their cor- their number one corner. He's definitely going to be their number two. I love that pick. DeAndre Swift, getting him the split carries with on Johnson is a fantastic move. Then, Aquara, you're getting a value there in the third round, getting a very talented edge rusher. Doesn't have a whole lot of technique, but he's got a, a boatload of explosiveness. I like that. Then you just address your offensive line. Getting Logan Stenberg and Jonah Jackson, I love both picks there. Um, those guys are going to be great. They're going to start. I don't know. I, they're going to be starters eventually. Don't know if they'll start um, if they will start immediately, but at some point, both guys are going to be starters. Um, then you got a talented receiver in Cephas. Then you got a, an explosive running back in Jason Huntley. What a draft for the Lions! I thought they did a very, very good job. All right. Moving on to the Green Bay Packers, who had a terrible draft. Uh, I'm just going to be honest. I do understand what they were going for in this draft. I just really disagree with it. I don't really understand. I mean, I'm I, sorry. I do understand. I just, I don't see it. Like, I I don't see it working out. Uh, in the first round, they selected Utah State quarterback Jordan Love uh, with the 26th pick. I like the pick. I'm, I'm fine with it. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is getting old. Jordan Love is very talented. Um, he's just, he's got the arm strength. He makes throws on the run. He's an improviser. And there's times where you're just like, wow. I mean, the, de- the decision making is a huge issue with him. He's not going to be ready to start for like at least a year. Probably two. 
maybe even three. He's a developmental quarterback, but he's got so much talent. Um, I think it's worth the risk here. And I like that they went best player available. I like, I'm like. i fine with the pick. Here's where things just go, go off the rails for me. Uh, in the second round, they selected Boston College running back A.J. Dillon with the 63rd pick. This was a huge reach. And I get that A.J. Dillon is a power back, and I think the Packers are going for more of a power run offensive scheme next year. But this is just not good value. I mean, Dylan is a solid running back. He's not worth a second-round pick. I don't love it. They could have gone with Denzel Mims here. Denzel Mims was still on the board. You could have got Denzel Mims, who should have been a first-round draft pick. Instead, you reach on a guy who would have been a third- or a fourth-round pick. You went with Dylan. I don't like the pick. I just don't. Then they went, went with Cincinnati tight end Josiah DeGuerra. Uh, with pick no- number 94, who's going to play fullback, probably, and drafting a fullback in the third round is just not a great move, in my opinion. Maybe the Gwar could be kind of like a, a Kyle Yushek, but I don't know if he'll ever reach that. If he does reach that, this pick is fine. I don't know if he'll ever get to that level. Um, a very confusing pick. Then the rest of the, I'm just going to go through the rest of their picks because none of them were that great. They went with Minnesota linebacker Kamal Martin. Then they went with Michigan guard John Runian. Then Oregon center Jake Hansen. Indiana guard Simon Stepaniak. And then they went with St- uh, TCU defensive back Vernon Scott. Then they finished off the draft with Miami defensive end Jonathan Garvin. Not a great draft for them. It's just. I get what they're going for. I think they're trying to move towards like a power run scheme on offense. And those moves are perfect for that. I just disagree with the with where they're going and the direction they're going in. I disagree with it. Um I would have I, I just wish they would have addressed, you know, interior defensive line, try to address their run defense, maybe even address their secondary and get another weapon for Aaron Rodgers. You could have got Denzel Mims in the second round. And uh, in the third round, I don't know who you could have gotten in the third round. Possibly Cameron Dantzler. I think he was off the board. Um, but, I mean, I just don't I, I don't agree with the direction they're going in. I understand what they're doing. I just disagree with it. All right, let's finish off the division with the Minnesota Vikings, who killed the draft. They had a ton of a ton of picks. They had like 13 picks on day three, which is insane. But in the first round, they got LSU receiver Justin Jefferson and TCU corner Jeff Gladney. Justin Jefferson was the top four receiver in the class to me. He can play inside. He can play outside. He's a good route runner. He's great with the ball in his hands. He can make contested catches. He is just a playmaker. I love Jefferson. I can't believe the Eagles didn't take him. I thought he was going to be gone by then. Or by, by the time the Vikings were on the board, he was still there. I love this pick. This pick is an A-plus pick in my opinion. I love it. Uh, then we pick number 31. Then went with TCU corner Jeff Gladney, like I already said. Gladney is a very physical corner. He fits that system in Minnesota. I love him. He's, he's going to be great in run support. He's physical. He's good in man coverage. He's a sticky corner. I like Gladney. He's going to be great with the Vikings. Then with uh, the 58th pick, 
They selected Boise State tackle Ezra Cleveland. Um, you know, Josh Jones would have been a better pick. Cleveland is still solid. I like that they addressed offensive line here. I, I-, I like this pick. Then in the third round, uh, pick number 89, they selected Mississippi State corner Cameron Dantzler. Um, gr- a really, really good pick. He's a competitive corner like Gladney, and he fits the Vikings scheme. Um, just a really, really good pick. And the Vikings had to address their cornerback position because they lost Xavier Rhodes and Trey Waynes. And honestly, honestly, I think they might have upgraded. I like Dantzler. I like Gladney. Rhodes was awful last year. He was just absolutely terrible. I hate uh, the way he played. I mean, Rhodes gave up over 80% of his targets. That's awful. And that, that, that's just unacceptable. So I like what the Vikings did here in their first four picks, addressing the cornerback position. I love what they did there. Uh, then, they got, um, with pick number 117, they got South Carolina defensive end, DJ Wonum. Is that how you say it? Wonum? 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 I'm going to go with Wonum, um, who's talented. He was uh, he was overshadowed by uh, Javon Kinlock, South Carolina. Then they got James Lynch, a Baylor defensive tackle, at pick 130. What a steal. Uh, Lynch is a, a stud. I love that pick. Um, then they went with Oregon linebacker Troy Dye with pick 132. I love that. Uh, Troy Dye, he's a good linebacker slash safety hybrid um, who led his team in tackles all four years at Oregon. He's a very solid linebacker. I like that pick. Then they went with t- uh, Temple corner Harrison Hand, Miami receiver KJ Osborne, Oregon State tackle Blake Brandle. Michigan safety, Josh Metellus. Um, I like all those guys. All those guys provide depth. Um, just some very, very nice pieces. Um, like at, at the minimum, all those guys are going to be, they're just going to be good depth. Uh, but they have the potential to have more, to have a bigger impact than that. I like all those picks. I like what they did on day three, though. Like in the seventh round, they got Michigan, safe, or Michigan State defensive end Kenny Willickis, who is a, that's a steal in the seventh round. He should have gone in, like, the fifth round. I like the value there. Um, he is a, a talented defensive end. He is, he doesn't have the most explosive. He's not extremely athletic. He isn't very explosive, but he's just a talented, hard-nosed defensive end. I like that pick. Then they went with Iowa quarterback Nate Stanley. and nothing special there. He'll be on the practice squad. Then they went with Mississippi State safety Brian Cole. And the Washburn guard, Kyle Hinton. The Vikings had a ton of picks. And they made the most out of all these picks. Um, Jefferson and Gladney, I love those guys in the first round. Cleveland, I don't think he was the best tackle available. But that, this fills a need on the offensive line. Uh, Mississippi State corner, Cameron Dantzler. I like him a lot. He fits the system. Great pick in the third round. Then uh, James Lynch, the Baylor defensive tackle. Absolute steal where they got him. Then Troy Dye, very solid linebacker. I like to pick. Uh, Harrison Hands a good selection as well. Then Kenny Willickis is a steal in the seventh round. They got a lot of good value. They addressed the needs. And with all, as many picks as they had, I thought they did a great job addressing needs and improving their roster. That's what you're supposed to do in the draft. The Vikings did that. I love what they did. All right, let's talk about the NBA season returning. So today, the Board of Governors uh, agreed 
on this 22 team return proposal. There's going to be 22 teams traveling to Orlando, getting into a, bu- a bubble, and they're going to finish the regular season, hop into the playoffs, then finish out the season in a in, in a playoffs. The playoff format is going to be as it is every year. It's going to be seven game series. Round, round one, round two, round three, then round four. It's going to be four rounds, seven-game series. Uh, the regular season, there's going to be 22 teams. The 16 teams that were in the playoff picture already, then uh, the five, the next five teams in the West and the the next team in the East, which is the Wizards, also the Suns, the Spurs, the Trailblazers, the Pelicans, and there's one team I'm missing... Let me look at the standings, and I'll tell you what all teams are are going to be joining the 16 playoff teams in or, in Orlando. Uh, it's the Wizards. Then in the in the West, it's the Trailblazers, the Pelicans, the Kings, the Spurs, and the Suns. So those six teams are going to be joining the 16 playoff teams. They're going to play an eight-game regular season. Then they're going to go, and and that's for playoff seating purposes. They're in. Um, they're going to go into the playoffs, and like I said, it's just business as usual. But, if the teams behind the 8th seed, like if the ninth, if the ninth seed is 4 games or less behind the 8th seed, there's going to be a play-in tournament, which is really, really exciting. If the ninth seed is over 4 games behind the 8th seed, then the 8th seed just goes in as the 8th seed into the playoffs. This, um, this, just, that's for both conferences, um, so I like that. Oh, by the way, it's not going to be, there's going to be conferences. It's not just going to be seated 1 through 16. It's going to be seated 1 through 8 for each conference. That's how they're doing it. And, uh, let me pull up the dates. I have them saved on Twitter. I will give you all the dates for everything, because the whole schedule is being moved around. Um... Yeah, today NBA approves the 22 team format to finish the season by 29 to 1 vote. The one team that voted uh, not in favor of the 22 team format was the Trailblazers. They thought there were better, uh, better alternatives. Um, they didn't hate the 22 team format, and they just thought there were better alternatives to that, uh, which I understand. Then the target NBA schedule from 19 to 20 to the 2021 season goes as follows: the training camp will be July 9th through the 11th. Then the 19, the 2019-2020 season starts on July 31st and goes through October, October 12th. The draft lottery will be August 25th. The NBA draft will be October 15th. Free agency will be October 18th. The 2020, 20, the twi- wow, the 2020-2021 training camp will be on November 10th. Then the 2020-21 season will start on December 1st. There was some speculation that the season might might start on Christmas Day. That isn't happening. It's gonna the next season is gonna start on December first. Um, then the NBA, yeah. So that's all you need to know. That's the schedule. That's how things are gonna work out. Um, and I'm just glad the NBA is back. I've missed the NBA. I think they should have come back sooner. Uh, but I understand with coronavirus and the health risk. Um, I like. I mean, they took their time. They make sure it's safe. I applaud them. Adam, Adam Silver has done a great job with this whole situation, waiting until it is um, safe and just making smart decisions. I applaud Adam Silver. He's a fantastic commissioner. I love Silver. 
Um, and I'm glad the NBA is finally back. Now, a lot of people on Twitter were upset uh, with what the NBA was doing because they're like, oh, it's only 22 teams because the NBA wants the Pelicans in. Well, yeah. I mean, if the Pelicans are the eighth seed, you know the, how good the viewership is going to be for the first round matchup between the Lakers and the Pelicans? The viewership for that series is gonna would be amazing. So yeah, they want to do that. I mean, I'm not saying that it's right that the NBA is trying to force the Pelicans into the playoffs. I just understand from a, a straight money standpoint. I understand why they're doing that. Uh, I'm not too upset about it. I mean, I I would love to see the Pelicans in the playoffs. I think it's an interesting storyline. And anytime I have an opportunity to watch Zion play basketball, I want that. I want more Zion in my life. So yeah. Uh, let's move on to the NBA draft prospects I have for today. Starting off with on Onyeka Okongwu, um, power forward slash center out of USC. Man, did he have a good year at USC this year. He was absolutely fantastic. He's an incredible defender. He moves very well on that end. Um, he can protect the rim and guard the perimeter. He's very versatile. He's a phenomenal low post scorer. He has good footwork in the paint, in the post, and he can finish with both hands, uh, which is a rare skill. Not a lot of guys can do that. Um, he showed nice touch around the rim, around the rim, and he's a great rebounder. And if you go on tankathon.com, look at Onyeko Okongwu's profile, and just look at the advanced stats, they are insane. Like, the defensive numbers, the advanced metrics are out of this world. I love Okongwu. I think he's one of the best players in the draft. I think he's a stud. A lot of people are overlooking him. And I, I, I don't think you should. He is going to be a stud. And I get that he's undersi- undersized for the center position. He's only 6'9". And he doesn't really space the floor, or at least he didn't in college. But I'm telling you, he's going to be good. He's got nice touch. He shot 72% from the free throw line. So that combined with the nice touch he showed around the rim... I think he could potentially be a floor spacer at the next level. And with his defensive versatility, his shot blocking, and his just, just over, and the way he overpowers defenders in the post, he's going to be really good in the NBA. And I think with us seeing how good Bam Adebayo was as an undersized center last year in the NBA, in the NBA for the Miami Heat, I think there's a path for Okongwu to have success at the next level. Um, some things he needs to clean up. He's not a great passer. Um, he tends to have tunnel vision, and he'll take difficult shots instead of just kicking the ball out to open shooters. He'll take difficult shots. He's got to clean that up. Um, and like I said already, he didn't space the floor in college, so I don't know what his ceiling is offensively. I still think he's a great player, and at the bare minimum, he's going to be a versatile defender who can score at a high level in the post. I love Okongwu. I think he's a stud. Next up, we have James Wiseman, center from Memphis. Wow. Um, every once in a while, they're like in, in every draft class, there's a few guys where as soon as you turn on the film, they just are so physically impressive. Just on first glance, when you first lay your eyes on them, their size is just like, and the way they're built is just like, wow. Last year, it was for the, the the these kind of guys for me were Zion and Cam Reddish. 
when I saw Cam Reddish, I was like, whoa. I mean, I was pretty low on Reddish as a prospect, but I just saw him, and he's a 6'9 shooting guard, and he's got incredible length. And, I, and as soon as I turned on the Duke film, I'm like, whoa, this dude big. Like, he, he was massive, and of course Zion is a very thick man. Um, he's not very tall for a power forward, but he is just so big and strong. And I had that, and I, I had that same reaction when I saw James Wiseman. He's seven one, but he can move. He is very athletic. He just moves very well for his size. The way he runs up the court, like you don't see a lot of seven footers move the way he moves. It's rare what he can do. He is extremely athletic, and it's very impressive. Um, he was a solid shooter in, in his three games in college. Um, he, he shot the ball a lot more than Okongwu did. Um, and so I think that's one thing that he does better than Okongwu, and it's one reason why I think he has more potential than Okongwu. Um, James Wiseman was amazing, and the two game, like in the one game against South Carolina State, he looked like the best player in the draft. Although, I mean, of course, it was South Carolina State, so you gotta like take it with a grain of salt. Like you gotta, you just gotta take it with a grain of salt. Um, but he was amazing in that game. He's he's got a ton of potential. Now there are some major red flags with him. One being he only played three games in college, and against Oregon, which is the only team that he played that was like really good, um, he was not that impressive. He just wasn't. Um, he isn't a switchable defender at this point. Um, you're not gonna be able to switch him in the NBA. You're just not. He's a very slow processor. He just processes things very slowly on the court. He isn't a strong low post scorer. He's pretty, um, he's pretty skinny for uh, for a seven one guy. Um, so sometimes instead of just powering through guys, he'll force, uh, he'll just settle for fadeaways, uh, which I don't really love. Um, and you know, his defensive struggles combined with his unimpressiveness in, in the three games in college. Is why I'm a little bit hesitant to put him like in the top three prospects in in the whole draft. I like Wiseman. I mean, I've seen I've seen big boards. I have him at like 18, and I'm like, okay, listen, I get the red flags with Wiseman, but come on, a seven footer that moves the way he does, that can space the floor a bit, that's valuable. Now, at the bare minimum. Wiseman is going to be a good rim runner at the next level. He's going to have a spot in the NBA. There's going to be a role for him, uh, which I like. I like guys where it's like you can see, it, you can easily see them having a role at the next level. And Wiseman is one of those guys. Now I don't know if he ever reaches his potential, but his physical tools, uh, just the potential he has, he's worth the risk. Um, I like I like Wiseman. I don't love him. But I like him, and I see the potential. Next up, Tyrese Halliburton. This is how we're going to end the podcast off, talking about Tyrese Halliburton, point guard for Iowa State. Um, not a very impressive player. Uh, he's got good size and length for the point for a point guard. He's six five with like a seven foot wingspan, which is absolutely insane. Um, he's a great playmaker, very good decision maker. He has a very odd. He has very odd shooting mechanics. But he shot very efficiently in college from the three-point line and the free-throw line. Um, so I think he's going to be able to shoot very well at the at the next level. 
Um, he can shoot with range. He shot from deep in college. Shot there at a high level. He's a plus defender. He's got a high basketball IQ. And he, ha- he has a high floor. Doesn't have a super high ceiling. But he's got a very high floor. Um, and he's going to be a very solid point guard at the next level. Uh, some negatives about him. Uh, he struggles to get to the rim. And he isn't a good shot creator. Uh, he won't be a great scorer in the next level. Because he can't get to the rim. And he can't really shoot off the dribble. So I think that limits his ceiling. And it's why, you know, it's why I wouldn't put him above LaMelo Ball in this draft class. I think it's below Ball. Um, and I think the, the consensus would agree with me. Uh, but I like Halliburton. I think he's going to be a very solid point guard at the next level. He's a coach's dream. He's going to make all the right choices on the court. He's a great decision maker. He plays hard on both ends. And... He scores efficiently. He's not a great scorer, but he can shoot the ball efficiently. And he's just overall a coach's dream. Great decision maker. I like Halliburton. Uh, But yeah, that's pretty much all I have for y'all today. I hope y'all enjoyed this, and I will see y'all next time.